You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on the Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I'm the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book. It's time that you have a way to create flavor-packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. Welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am so excited. I have a dear friend and colleague, Victoria Myers, on the show. Victoria, welcome to Food Freedom Podcast. Dylan, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot too. I'm like going to be over here taking notes, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I told you before we hit record, like, I feel like this, even just you coming on my show has been a long time coming. So I'm glad we're finally having this interview. I'm glad we are too. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Um, well, Victoria, I'd love if you took a minute to just introduce yourself to our mm-hmm. listeners. For those of you who may or may not know Victoria, just tell me a little more about yourself and and kind of what you do. Of course. Okay. So I'm Victoria. I'm a fellow non-diet dietitian like Dylan, and I work um, and own the company Nourishing Minds Nutrition. So we are a virtual private practice and we run online programs specializing in a few different key areas of uh, women's health needs. So we would do intuitive eating work. And usually that's also a lot of body image support too. We do uh, digestion support primarily for people who have IBS and SIBO. And then really what kind of is the heart and center of what we do is we work with a lot of women who have hormone health issues in conjunction with needing support to heal their relationship with food. So typically what we work with is HA, which is hypothalamic amenorrhea. I'm just going to refer to it as HA though, because yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also see a lot of people with PCOS too. And as I'm sure Dylan, you know, but for the person listening, it just, when you have health issues, particularly hormonal health issues, it just gets so confusing so quickly with how do you navigate making sure you're managing your conditions while also making peace with food in your body. And that's really like where, like, where, uh, like I mentioned, that's really our specialty and what we really love to help people through. And I think there's just so much crazy information on the internet these days, particularly around hormones. Yeah. So I think that's also partly why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. Cause yeah, like you just mentioned with, I mean, crazy information on the internet regarding anything relating to our health, but I, I see it a lot with things like PCOS and hormonal issues, I feel like diet culture can seep in there a lot, which just brings so much confusion to people. So I think the work y'all do is huge, helping people, one, heal any issues they may have 
with digestion, hormones, while also making peace with food in their body. Yes. And they can go together because I feel like when someone struggles with both, they feel like that they can't either. They have to work on healing their relationship with food or work on healing their health issues. I firmly believe they go hand in hand together. And I'm sure we're going to touch on that in today's episode. Yeah, that's so true. Cause I, I even hear that from prospective clients sometimes of like, well, do I need to get like this, you know, my digestion in order, you know, X, Y, Z in order before I can work on intuitive eating and body image. And I think working on them together is so helpful and probably at the end of the day, less time consuming for them too. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But we forget that like those, those, when we struggle with those things, like having an unhealthy relationship with food or feeling disconnected from our bodies, like it also can cause symptoms. So I think we have to remember that's also a piece of the puzzle of your healing process. Yes. Yes. That's why with clients, we often talk about our health, even just as like this wheel that like ever, or like a puzzle where everything's so interconnected. So I Mm -hmm. love that you said that too, of, you know, maybe you're having digestive issues or issues with your hormones but maybe some of it spurs back to your relationship with food or how much you're exercising. So a lot of it is very interconnected, which sometimes I see, and I'm curious if you see this too, it's like surprising for clients, like, or just people in general, because I think we think, and maybe it's because of all the information on the internet, we think it's something totally else or something genetic or other things, which sometimes it may be, but yeah. Do you see that with clients where sometimes they're like, Whoa, I didn't realize like how much I was exercising impacted this. Yeah. So that's a great one, right? Like that. I had no idea that the amount I was exercising is let's like use an example of the amenorrhea that we're going to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Like that would, could cause a missing period because yeah. is it like exercising, like the best thing you could do for you? So no, no not always. Sometimes, you know, yeah. too much is a bad thing. And then another big one I see is a lot of times people believing and thinking that they have to take out like a million foods out of their diet when they have IBS. And sometimes, you know, maybe that works for some people in certain circumstances, but for others and our kind of people that actually exacerbate symptoms even more, it doesn't mean there's never a time and place for that, Mm -hmm. but it also means that's not always the only solution either. Yes. Yes. And I think it's so important, especially with those clients who are currently struggling with disordered eating or those people, I use the word clients all the time, those people (laughs) who are struggling with disordered eating, like if you then slap on like, okay, cut out all these foods, for a lot of people that can be really triggering. So working with a non-diet dietitian to navigate all of that is huge. Yeah, I Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So yeah, like you mentioned, I would love to talk on... HA today. I also feel like I can't even pronounce it. So I love that there's the abbreviation HA. So Dylan, like, it's our Southern accent. Yeah. I blame our Southern accent. Every is. time someone asks me to pronounce it, I'm like, I'm going to say it, but sometimes yeah. I say it wrong. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> yes. hypothalic amenorrhea, HA. Amen. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's yes. So true. So with HA, I think one thing, even that can be helpful. Well, actually, I don't even think we mention this. Like, I think first I would love if you took a minute to just like explain to people what HA is. And then maybe even within that, like why our period is important. Yeah. I would love to talk about that because I think having that like basic understanding is really important to then talking about like, like, why is it missing? 
to begin mm-hmm. with. So when we're talking about HA, which we're going to use that abbreviation, yeah. we're talking about it's actually a form of secondary amenorrhea. So what that means for the person listening is you've had a period once and now it's missing for three or more months. So that's the diagnostic criteria for a hypothalamic amenorrhea. It's very involved with the hypothalamus, which I can get in, involved with that in a second. But um, essentially what that means is your body's starting to shut down pathways in the body because it senses it's in a state of survival or in a famine, um, because there are other forms of secondary amenorrhea that are not so directly involved with specifics of eating and exercise. Even something like PCOS can be interconnected with someone having secondary amenorrhea. So all to be said, it's always good to go see a doctor if you have a missing period, or let's say yeah. you got off a of birth control recently and your period hasn't returned within three to six months, you want to always want to go to a doctor, always get things checked out. I think sometimes for some people, what I have seen in my, my cases with clients is sometimes they get slashed with the diagnosis of PCOS immediately going to the doctor, just because they having missing periods to so make sure you give them the information of of things like your behaviors, but all to be said, hypothalamic amenorrhea is a really big cause. It can be up to, I think 35% of secondary amenorrhea cases. Wow. So having a period is really important to our health. I know we often see periods as something that's taboo or something that like kind of is annoyance. And it's okay if you feel that way, but at the same time, I think understanding that a period is a fifth vital sign. It's your body Mm -hmm. telling you that safe, that's being taken care of, that it's getting what it needs because the first things that go when your body senses either a semi-starvation cost from a diet or starvation from like continued actions of not eating enough over time is it starts to shut down things like digestion or reproduction, which is why we talk about, you know, I, we were just talking about IBS, right? Because that can also be a really big thing when your body is in that state of survival is it starts to shut down things. It doesn't see as necessary to survive. Think of like your lungs, breathing, heart beating kind of stuff. Like it's just not as necessary to create a baby as it is to make sure that you can breathe. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so the body starts to shut down those pathways. Your period is also really important to things like your bone health It's really important to things like your heart health, even your brain health. And I think those things are really important to touch on, but one of my favorite things to touch on is just how it connects you to your body and helps you understand its cyclical needs. You know, any person with a period has cyclical needs. So, you know, oftentimes people who are um, biologically now, they have this 24 hour cycle with their hormones where we have this 28 around ish day cycle of your hormones and we just have different needs. So I really think once you can connect to that and see your period is not a bad thing, it's rather like a really mm-hmm. awesome thing. We can see that like, no wonder our hunger varies or no wonder our cravings vary or our want and desires to exercise or even work or be productive. Like it changes though. So, yes. The, the brain and the, the bone health, all that stuff is so important. I think it's really important. We understand that there are detriments, not having a period, but what I think is a really fun stuff is like thinking about like, gosh, if you can connect to your period, there's so much mm. you can do for you in your intuitive eating journey. Would you agree, Dylan? Oh yes, for sure. And that's an area I feel like I need to learn more on too. just, and cause I've seen that a lot, even with like, you know, as a business owner, like how mm. you can sync your work to your period based on like what week you're in and yeah. your like menstrual phases. And, and it's so, so interesting. Cause I mean, I think if you take the time and if you think about intuitive eating and being in tune with your body would as you know, a female who has a menstrual cycle be fam- being familiar with those four stages. Um, yeah. but obviously when we're not in tune with our body, whether or not we get a period or not, it's super easy to not notice any of that stuff. Like maybe you 
you notice like when you have more cravings, but you don't associate it like, oh, well, this happens like the week leading up to my period every month. So I know that I can show myself compassion, but if we're not in tune with our body, we can just view it judgmentally of like, why am I craving sweets? This is annoying. This is quote unquote bad. So yeah, I think it really does connect with intuitive eating, but like we talked about, and this might've even been before we hit record, I feel like periods can be, and you did mention this, like kind of like a taboo thing. Like people don't really talk about, don't want to talk about it. And even if someone's missing their period, it's so easy for that to just kind of fall to like the, almost the back burner of like, okay, well, let's focus on these other things. And like, you know, maybe your period will come back, but knowing, like you just mentioned, how important getting a period is for, for all of those reasons you just listed. Absolutely. You know, I recently did a survey on Instagram asking people like, okay, give me your honest thoughts. Like, what did you really think when you had your peers period go missing? And so many people were like, yeah, I was excited because I didn't have to deal yeah. with my period anymore. And I was like, you know what? That's totally fair. I hope over time we can change that conversation and not yes. see a period as an annoyance anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is again, just education on it and what it can do for us. But, um, yes. yeah, I think it's okay if you feel like a little, a mixture of emotions about your period, but mm-hmm. overall, it's just really important to have a natural monthly period, unless you're on the birth control pill, which, yeah. um, or on any form of birth control. I, I don't like it when people share anti type birth control messages. I think it's really important. Like if you want to be on birth control, you can yeah, be on birth control, but sure. if we're on it to hide or mask our HA, or if we get off of it, or we're just not on it altogether and we don't have a period, that's a problem and we need to fix that. Yes. Yes. And I think you mentioned this of, you know, if going to the doctor, it's so important to really just fully advocate yourself for yourself, fully disclose what's all going on. Because, you know, for a doctor, it could be really easy if, you know, you tell them you're having a period for them just to slap birth control mm-hmm. and, and maybe not knowing the deeper story about what's going on. Um, but yeah, I love that you said that too, about birth control. Like it's, it's everyone's choice. Like if people want to be on birth control, if they don't, but knowing how your period or lack thereof can be impacted. Yeah. And I think just okay. knowing that like, it doesn't fix HA this time, totally yes. fine. If you need to take it for a period of time, even just to protect, let's say your estrogen while you're working on recovery for those in an eating disorder. But at the same time, just knowing that like, it doesn't fix HA. Um, mm-hmm. what does is the things that we're going to talk about in, today, yeah. in today's yeah. episode. Yes. So then let's kind of go into what, what causes someone to miss their period? And I guess even thinking about, like you said, with the diagnosis of HA being for three months, like what causes missed periods for people? Yeah. So there's four main things that we'll talk about. So food, fitness, sleep, and stress, but let me kind of back up and say, so we keep calling it hypothalamic amenorrhea, right? So it's involved with your hypothalamus. And I don't want to get too much into the nitty gritty of science. Cause I honestly think that can get pretty boring pretty quickly. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the moment I start talking about like the hormone pathways, people start, start to zone out. So yeah. what I'm just going to say is, you know, how we're talking about earlier, like survival mode. So if your body senses a famine or if it's not getting adequate fuel, so it can be related to exercise, stress, or weight loss, but they're all related essentially to eating and exercise habits and a little bit of sleep and stress. I'll touch on those too. So if we're not getting enough fuel, what basically happens in your body is your hypothalamus, which is the control center of your brain. It's actually involved with your period. So there's something called the HPG axis. So your hypothalamus pituitary gonadal axis, and there's some hormones involved with that process that shuts down 
because the hypothalamus, which is that control center, views it as in a state of famine. So the main hormone that it shuts down is secretion of something called gonadotropin releasing hormone. And you can call this GNRH, all the abbreviations, because these are a lot yes. of <laughs> ENRH secretion will then stop and halt things like follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone. Those are some of the primary hormones in the first half of your follicular phase. Those mm -hmm. also impact your estrogen levels. And we need estrogen to be rising in the first half of our cycle called the follicular phase, because that's what builds your uterine lining. And that rise of estrogen is also what tells your body to release something called the luteinizing hormone. And without the estrogen, without gonadotropin releasing hormone or GNRH, all these things start to shut down. Without LH, this luteinizing hormone, your body can't ovulate. And without ovulation, we don't mm. menstruate. A lot of people don't realize that, but if you have menstruated, that means you have ovulated. So if you don't mm. have a menstrual cycle, that means you're not ovulating. And there's all these pathways, all these hormones involved that shut down, but it senses a state of famine. So the big things, like I just said, we call them in our online program, get your period back playbook. We call them the big four. So it's food, fitness, sleep, and stress. Now the biggest factors are your eating and exercise habits. They trump stress and sleep. We just like to include those because I think a lot of times when we're perfectionists or we have very dogmatic eating and exercise habits, we tend to prioritize those things over our sleep. So that's why yeah. I always like to talk about sleep and sleep. Don't get me wrong. is actually very important for your hormones. I just think if you're going to focus on things like eating more and exercising less, which is what we're going to talk about, those are the primary things. And we also like to talk a lot about stress because stress alone can impact your cycle. I think we've all mm -hmm. Probably in the years you've had a menstrual cycle, if you have had one, you've seen that like random times your period may come late because things like traveling or like a really big stressor can impact your body. So that's not like a normal thing. But again, when it's consistent, when your period's been missing for three or more months, that's a problem. So stress can definitely cause that. And to be honest with you, I think the stress that is the biggest thing for my kind of people is the perfectionism, the people pleasing. It's like this always like pressure that you put on yourselves to do and be all the things. That's where I see the biggest stressors in my clients' lives and in my online course students' lives. So those are the things we really like to talk about. And I think what's so unique about this hormone diagnosis, HA, is this actually really like solely related to your behavior changes. And because of that, it is fixable. It's doable. Yeah. Like it is something you can recover from and never have to deal with again. So I think that's actually kind of relieving because when people learn about HA and we were talking about the health consequences just a bit ago, even though we only barely touched the surface of them, that there is health consequences from it. And, um, infertility is another one that we didn't even touch on. So mm. again, I think what's really nice to know about HA is it is reversible. So that's, that should be hopefully really comforting for the person listening. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that too. Cause I think it's, it can be very easy and I guess fearful of like losing your period and then thinking like, is this just going to be the rest of my life? But knowing, no, it's completely reversible. And that's where a lot of that you know, intuitive eating, anti-diet, walking away from diets comes into play. And even with what you mentioned with the big four, one thing that I thought of too, of like exercise and food being the two big ones. And you mentioned this, like how sleep and stress can be so impacted by food and exercise. Exactly. Our stress levels can be so elevated based on food, what we're eating, what we're not eating. Obviously if we're over-exercising, that puts so much stress on our body and then sleep you know, if we're waking up at 5 a.m. every day to work out, but we're not sleeping, you know, we're not going to bed at a decent hour, then it's all, so that makes sense to you where like food and exercise are kind of like 
the biggest ones, but they so much impact stress and sleep too. So all four of those. Exactly. And I think um, with the sleep and the stress, it's like, I also think that those are helpful to also add to the conversation, the eating more and exercising less, because I think Mm -hmm. maybe those areas can seem a little less daunting too. So it's like, okay, if you can also think of those as, you know, people with amenorrhea, we want to like check things off. We want to like do all the things. It's like, all right, well, if you're also focused on making sure you get quality eight hours of sleep and that you're also looking at setting boundaries or saying no to things or finally mm-hmm. resting for the first time in your life. Those are things that are going to positively impact your eating and exercise. They all like, they all go together so well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And so, cause I'm, I'm thinking about people listening now where there's probably some people who aren't getting their period. So they're realizing like, okay, like I, I want to work on this. Maybe they haven't addressed it, ever before and they want to really work to get their period back. Or maybe there's people when we mentioned the big four who kind of these like alarms went off of like, okay, I feel like I'm out of check in those places. I don't want to get to a place where I lose my period. So kind of, I feel like the answer is one in the same of like, how do they basically either prevent themselves from losing their period, but people who have already lost their period, who are struggling with HA, what does that journey look like to getting their period back? And I know that's like, you know, I mean, you, you work with clients for six months and help them with that. So I know it's not just like a, you know, five minute answer, but like, what would be some of the, even just like starting points you'd give someone? You know, I love this question because I think starting points are always helpful to getting you at least some wins on this journey and then you can keep progressing, right? So no, I love this question. And it is related to those big four areas that we were just touching on. And I mean, the most simple answer is you got to eat more and exercise less. Like as I, every time I say that, I'm always like, oh, that is like the most like simple, but like annoying answer ever because people who are struggling to eat more and exercise less feels anything but that it can be so confusing, overwhelming. So what I really like to do with clients is like really walk them through the specifics of what eating more looks like. So if we're talking Mm. about eating more, it can be of all three of your macronutrients. So calories is what matters the most that we're eating sufficient calories, especially to match our exercise and, or possibly stop or pause on exercise. We'll talk about that next, um, but especially mm-hmm. just making sure you're eating enough overall. So calories is the most important thing from there, carbohydrates, fat, and then protein. Now protein, and then I'll even add to this vegetables. They're always the things that I'm like, yes, they're so good for your health. But like when we're talking about HA, they're just not going to be my focus because yeah, my kind of people do not struggle to eat protein and vegetables. Yeah. So if anything, that's your safe food. That's something oh, that yeah. you're already eating plenty of in your diet. So we don't really need to focus on those. It's more about adding carbs back into your world because truly everyone is fearful to consume carbohydrates these days. And then fat too, you know, really eating sufficient quantities of fat, it helps us synthesize our hormones. It's just really important in our body. And also to get our period back and just make sure we're getting sufficient calories. So, you know, a lot of times with clients, so this wouldn't be for the person who's trying to prevent HA, but for the person who is struggling, we use meal plans. I mean, I think it's always important to note that, you know, just because we're helping people to eventually get to the place of intuitive eating doesn't mean every single person is like immediately quote unquote eating intuitively. Right. And Dylan, you know this, but for the person Mm -hmm. listening, I think sometimes it can just help them to know that like, it doesn't have to mean, you know, how to like immediately listen to your body. Mm -hmm. So in our program, we're actually going to be talking about like the do's and don'ts of intuitive eating, like what principles you Mm -hmm. can apply, which ones you can apply. But I mean, basically what you can think of it is 
is hunger and fullness are not things you want to be like targeted on in HA recovery, because you might have to be eating more than what you feel like you should be eating to recover your period. So that's the, like the basic gist of eating more with exercising less. So there is amazing work from uh, Dr. Nicola Rinaldi. She's the author who wrote no period. Now what, if anyone who Mm. has HA, they probably have heard the term going all in. And what that means is reducing your stress, eating enough and stopping exercise. So I'm mentioning this with the exercise because the best way to get your period back is to not only eat more, but to pause on exercise. Now I say this with like a huge caveat because we give people options in our programs and when we work with clients, because it is a coping mechanism for so many people. It is the way that some people only know how to handle and cope with their stress. One of my goals is get people many tools in their toolbox to help them have coping mechanisms, but sometimes taking away that person's only coping mechanism is not the most ideal situation. So yes, pausing on exercise until you get three or more consistent cycles is like the gold standard for some people. That's just not going to be possible. So you could even think of it. If that's not realistic for you, you can think of it as just reducing overall exercise until again, you have three consistent cycles. So that could look like you're uh, removing high intensity interval training, just focusing on gentle to moderate forms of movement. Maybe you're just decreasing like the duration of movement that day. Maybe you're giving yourself rest days for the first time in a long time. So this could also be some options that you look at too. And then just real quick with uh, sleep and stress, you know, we're looking at not only making sure we're getting eight to 10 hours of when we're in HA, we really want to be focusing on getting a lot of sleep, but we also want to make sure that we are getting quality sleep. So making sure like the lights are completely like out in your house, you're having a morning and nighttime routine to help make sure you're getting restorative night sleep. And then with stress, like we talked about earlier, I mean, I think it, it's very rooted for my kind of people in their to-do list their perfectionism, their people pleasing. They're always saying yes to everything and no to their needs. So when I think of stress, that's the kind of stuff I'm like, that's really what I want to help you process through and work on because those are your biggest areas of stressors. And then I'll also say too, I mean, I think just helping these people learn that like taking care of themselves also looks like having, uh, like, like we're saying rest and having times that we're not being productive and like, it's okay to pause and just like be a person who doesn't have a million things going on all the time. So that would be like, to me, like the basic ways you can think of like what it looks like to recover from HA. Yeah. And all of that is so good. And I feel like so practical in those four areas. And again, I think a lot of them are so interconnected and I love what you mentioned about, you know, eating more, exercising less and how hard, you know, it can be just such an easy, catchy thing to say. But anytime I tell people that I'm like, I know that's way easier said than done because right now the way you're thinking is the opposite. Like how can I eat less and exercise more? So we're telling you to do the exact opposite, which is so fearful can bring more stress, which is why too, I love what you said about exercise. Like I do think it's so important especially if someone's, you know, missing periods, if we have more and more proof that like your body is in the state of stress, the state of starvation to cut back, reduce, eliminate exercise if needed, but also to, to kind of find that middle ground. Cause I've seen a lot too, with some of our people is I could tell them, you know, like, no, don't exercise. We can't exercise until we get three months of periods. They're still going to exercise. And so I think it's, more help. Like I feel like I can better serve them if I help them understand one, why it's important to cut back on exercise and maybe what are, like you said, some lower impact exercises we could be doing 
that could maybe then help with the stress. Like what if we're doing more like yoga or going on walks or things that you're still coping with stress and you're still getting to move your body, but in a way that's more supportive and you're eating more. Like it again is all so, so interconnected. Um, but I love all of that, that you said, I think it's so good. Yeah. I really appreciate you too mentioning the yoga and the walking. And I'll even say like in an exercise break, as long as they're very gentle forms of yoga and walking, you could do those things, but I really appreciate whether it's just reducing overall or an actual exercise break. I just really appreciate the value that it shows people of what gentle movement does for us, because we are in a world that's so fixated on more is better. And that's not always true when it comes to the stress of our body. You know, that's that's if you look at like the studies and the research behind why exercise is so beneficial, it's because it teaches our bodies how to cope with stress, right? So it, it basically is a stressor to the body. Your body like learns how to handle it and then it can respond better and more adaptive to stress. But if the allostotic load is too much, there's too much forms of stress in the body, your body can't handle it. So it becomes a negative stressor in that sense, right? So I think if we can pull back from this idea that like all forms of movement should always be super intense, should always be stressing your body to like the state of like, um, like as stressful as it can get, like, okay, like, yes, those things are fine. I like strength training too. I hate running, but I know a lot of people like running. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like those are, things are fine too. But like, even if we are, let's say strength trainers or runners, like we should still have things like yoga and walking in our lives because like all those forms of movement, coming back to that concept of cyclic living, like we have different desires with how we want to move our bodies. And also those things matter too, just because they don't burn as many calories or they're not, you know, talked about as much in the the fitness industry. They're so valuable. And I, and when I think of like how we have existed as humans for a long time, I do not believe that we like we're doing high intensity interval stuff for, you know, all the time at every hour of the day, like our bodies are meant yes. to walk and to move yes. for sure. We all can agree. Movement is wonderful for us, but like gentle forms matter too. Oh yeah. And I think too, if we look, and I'm sure there's studies on this of even just like, you know, our, the longevity of our life, I think stress plays a much bigger role than like, oh, I, I did CrossFit five times a week. So I was so healthy. I know. Like, I think if our stress levels are just so out of, you know, whack of, for lack of a better phrase, like that can have huge impacts on our health. And I think even with exercise, I think what's important is really digging into like what motivates me to exercise. Like if I'm exercising because I feel like I have to, because I need to earn food, I need to compensate for food. I need to, you know, get this certain body exercise. Isn't the stress relieving choice or the healthy choice, but shifting our viewpoint to like, okay, exercise. Cause it's a fun way for me to connect with my body and practice intuitive movement and, you know, maybe get outside in nature or, go on a walk with a friend, like engage in social things, like really looking at the benefits of exercise. And like you mentioned, how it really can help to reduce our stress unless we're using it with the wrong intentions, then it can cause more stress and in the end, do more harm than good with things like AJ. Absolutely. You know, a, a question I always like to recommend people to ask themselves is like, are you doing this for self-care or self-control? And that can really help you differentiate mm, what's the good. reason behind your intentions of exercise. You know, self-care can absolutely include exercise. It can include a lot of different things, whatever floats your boat. But uh, when it's from self-control, I mean, that immediately makes me, I'm sure this does for you as well, Dylan, makes me think of body image, right? The most 
the reason why most people exercise is to shrink themselves and to make themselves smaller. So we also touch yeah. a lot on body image struggles, not only with our clients, but we're going to have a module dedicated to it in get your pure black paper. Cause I'm like, okay, well, yes, let's talk about the specifics of HA and like the science and all the fun, like, yes, the nerdy stuff, but also like, why do we feel this way about our bodies and why do we feel that they are not enough as is? And what is the beliefs we have around our body? Because ultimately, as I'm sure you feel too, I think that's the ultimate driver for most people of why they're always trying to eat less and exercise more when for HA recovery, we need to do the exact opposite. Yes. Yes. And even just thinking about, I know from my own personal experience, like getting to a place of feeling more connected with your body, more, you know, respectful, accepting of your body. I feel like the exercise and movement you do is so much more enjoyable. Cause you mentioned you hate running. I dislike running too, but I know for so long I would just run miles and miles and miles and miles and miles because I thought like, that's what I needed to do, but I didn't look forward to it. It wasn't fun. And now I'm able to do exercises that I do enjoy And, you know, and it doesn't mean I always tell clients this too, like, sure, you'll have workouts where you feel like you're kind of having to like push yourself a little bit more, but that's kind of with anything in life. Mm -hmm. But I think the difference is like, okay, I know I hate running, but I'm still running because I feel like I have to, or it's like the healthy thing. So I think it can really free up and, and help you step more towards intuitive eating and just intuitive living, um, through that element of like joyful movement. Mm, I couldn't agree more. That's wonderfully said. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I feel like I could talk on this topic. I know we do. It's so, so, well, it's so connected to body um, image and intuitive eating, which is things that you and I are is. both so passionate about. I'm like, HA yeah. is also part of this conversation. Cause it's why it's, it's the reason why people struggle with HA is, is so often related to mm-hmm. those, those very things. Yes. Yeah. And it's so, I don't even want to say it's like an easy fix. Cause I know it's hard work, but it's like, I guess easy quote unquote, in the sense of like, there are ways we can fix it. It is reversible, but it can go so like, you know, overlooked or just act like it's not a big deal. So I think this conversation, one of my hopes is helping, it helps to shed light to it or for people listening who haven't had a period in six months and haven't thought much of it, like to actually think about it. Cause I think like you mentioned, it's easy especially if you're not in a season of life where you're wanting to get pregnant, not having a period, you kind of just think like, Oh, this is nice. This is convenient. And then maybe you realize like, okay, now I want to start a family and I don't have a period. So, you know, and that's just one of the many reasons why having a period is important, but, but yeah. So I think shedding light on this can be really, really helpful for everyone listening. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I appreciate you mentioning that about the fertility because it's true if you want to have them today, someday, or even not at all. Like I totally respect that not Mm -hmm. all people want to have children, but at the same time, as much as, you know, some, some of us do not want to have that fertility for your body, at least is what it perceives as like being healthy and thriving. So we Mm -hmm. want to know our bodies are producing a cycle for those of us that are meant to have periods because it is so fundamental in your body. Again, knowing that it's safe, that it's being taken care of, that it's not in any sort of famine or survival state, because that means again, it's producing a cycle. And we know that as you know, I said this earlier on, but the fifth vital sign, and that's, I did not come up with that. That's Lisa Henderson Jack who did, but um, it's a great (laughs) saying. I think of a wonderful articulation of the importance of a period is it's your fifth vital sign. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
So shifting gears, the way I love to end interviews is asking guests what their favorite food memory is. Cause kind of like we talked on a lot, <laughs> I think it's so easy for us, um, or just people in general engulfed in diet culture to, you know, we kind of take the fun and the memory and the social and culture and all the things out of food. And so really it, with the goal of helping people heal their relationship with food, I love hearing people's favorite food. Memory. I love this question so much. And also I've never been asked this before. I love this Dylan. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to say any instance of like making cookies with my mom and my sister. And I think that's mm. why like the nostalgia of it is why I personally love doing that so much with my daughter. She's 22 months old. And for me, there's like nothing like making a fresh batch of like a cookie dough. And then we make the cookies together and it makes the whole house yeah. smell amazing. And then we eat the cookies together. And, um, but yeah, my favorite yes. food memory would definitely be like making cookies with my, with my sister and my mom. It just, just always brings back oh, fond memories it. for sure. Yes. Making cookies is always so fun and gosh. Yeah. The way it makes your house smell. Gosh, Everything about it. it. The, whole, the whole experience. <laughs> and chocolate yes. chip cookies. Now I'm like, I need to make them. <laughs> yes. And you don't measure the chocolate chips. You just pour them exactly. in like as many as you need. Uh, okay. Now I'm going to need to go make <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. I feel you on that. At, 11 a.m. on a Monday. <laughs> well, Victoria, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. Where can people find you? And also you've mentioned some, the, I can't remember exactly, the period playbook. Yes. I'm Get your period back wrong, playbook. Yeah. So yeah, where can people find you? Where can people find that when it comes out? Because I'm not sure if it's out yet. Yes. Okay. So let me tell you all the places because there's actually a few different places. So the yeah. first place you can find us is Victoria Myers blog, which is where all of our blog posts and podcast episodes are. And then we also have, and probably the thing most people know about us is the podcast. It's called the Nourishing Women Podcast. We air episodes twice a week. And it's, you know, if you love Dylan's podcast, you'll love our podcast. We touch about things like intuitive yeah. eating, body image. We have a concept of wellness without obsession. And because, you know, um, my practice specializes in digestion and hormone, we also touch on that stuff as well. Uh, but, but definitely like a main theme of like wellness without obsession. And so those places, we also have two Instagram accounts at Victoria Myers underscore, and then at nourishing minds, nutrition, and then we also have, um, so we work with clients in a one-to-one -one setting through Nourishing Minds Nutrition, our virtual private practice. And then as I mentioned in this interview, we also have online programs. The one that we are really excited about right now is called Get Your Period Back Playbook. And this is an online program for perfectionists with a missing or regular period who have HA and who mm. are looking to recover their period. And it's going to be a really fun mix of like the science behind why your period is missing, why and how to get your period back with specifics like meal plans and options for how to, you know, as we talked about this episode, either pause or reduce exercise. We'll talk about sleep, stress, body image, intuitive eating. So we're really going to cover a lot of key areas that someone with HA would struggle with. That program is coming out at the end of May. And I think that's all the places. Did okay. I forget anything? I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> no, I think that's good. And actually, by the time this airs, I'll have to look. This will, your program will probably be out. So I should have looked at that before. <laughs> when this I haven't be decided airing, the exact date yet as we're recording this. Yeah, so, so perfect. perfect. <laughs> yes, but this episode will air probably around May or June. So if you're listening to this now, it's probably May or June. But yeah, that's great. And all of that will be linked in the show notes. Perfect. So if you have a wait list or sign up, that'll be great. I will, I will definitely share that. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was such a good good conversation. Thank you, Dylan, for having me. And thank you guys for listening. 
Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode.